Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Today we're launching off in a new section which actually doesn't quite follow the normal chapter breaks of Genesis. I closed chapter 46 early, so today we're covering a passage which takes in the tail end of chapter 46, beginning in verse 30, and goes all the way to the end of chapter 47. And I'm going to be looking at this story, uh, beginning of the closing out of this story of Joseph and his reconciliation with his family in Egypt. Now, if you just joined us for the first time, well, first of all, you are very welcome indeed to jump in and join on this amazing journey as we work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. But if you are actually here for the first time, just two things I'd like to point out to you. One is a transcript of each and every talk I've given is always available in the episode notes of any audio version of the podcast. So you just drop in to the episode notes page on whatever, uh, wherever you're getting your podcast from, it doesn't matter toasted and buzzsprout and within the episode notes page there's a full transcript of everything I'll say and there's also some links there of ways that you can connect to the ministry through Facebook, YouTube and there's even a Patreon page there. So the other thing is why not consider deciding to make this commitment to be part of this project to study the entire Bible chapter by chapter verse by verse over what I believe will be about another five years or so. So you are again very welcome and with that we'll just drop in to the main text and pick up where we left off last time and uh, I'll see you at the end just to update you on on some things. So bye bye for now. Hi friends, you know what? Staying focused in life is one of the main challenges I think we face. We can decide something with deep conviction. We can make a decision to do something or to try and live in a certain way only to get distracted or tempted out of it. That's why staying focused, I believe, is truly one of the great challenges in life. I do recognize that it's important if we're going to accomplish anything in life in general, particularly in our spiritual life, we need to have the ability to stay focused. Now, the added challenge in staying focused on the spiritual side of our life is that often, if we get distracted and focus on our worldly accomplishments, that can take away the emphasis from the spiritual part of our lives. So I believe the doubly great challenge for believers is to stay focused on both aspects at the same time. But I do wonder, is that even possible? Well, I believe the Bible says that it is. Yes, it is, but it is a challenge. And sometimes it will indeed be difficult, but it can be done. And I state that because it's perfectly illustrated here in chapters 46 and 47 in the story of the life of Joseph and his father, Jacob. So we're going to continue in the study by looking at what happened next in the story of Joseph, following this reunification of his family against the backdrop of the famine. Now, if you've been following along with us, you'll know that at this point we've, we've reached the fact where there has been this catastrophic famine in the land of Egypt. Yet at the same time, Joseph has been elevated to the high, second highest political position, well, the highest political position in Egypt, but the second highest position of power and authority 
in the whole land of Egypt. Only Pharaoh has more power than him. And he is the one who has come up with the plan to deal with the famine, a plan to store food in the years of plenty in order that they can be prepared for the famine that is coming. Now later now, when this famine is hit, it's not only hit Egypt hard, but it's hit the whole region, including Canaan. And that's where uh, Joseph's family were. So the whole family now, following the reconciliation, have come down to Egypt and they've been reunited after more than 20 years apart. And this is the story we've been looking at in a great deal of detail over the last weeks and months. But now we're reaching the closing verses of chapter 46. And I'd just like to open up this next study by looking at those two final verses of that chapter, which tells us, Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's households, I will go and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, My brother and my father's households who were living in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds and they tend livestock and they have brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. Now let me just pause for a moment and mention the fact that Joseph of course has just been reconciled to his father but now he's saying to his brothers, to the whole household, to the whole extended family for that matter, he's actually saying okay look this is what's going to happen. I'm now going to go and see Pharaoh. I'm going to come and tell him that we've come from the land of Canaan and that you're shepherds. So he's going to tell Pharaoh that his family are here and that there are shepherds. But what is very important, he makes a point to say, I'm going to tell them that you are shepherds and that your occupation is to tend livestock and you've brought your flocks and herds and all that you have with you. Now, that sounds the same thing, but there's an important underlying little fact going on here. So Joseph at this point is just announcing to his brothers, his extended family, what he's going to do. So he now coaches them what to say. So now look at verse 33. When Pharaoh called you in and asked, what is your occupation? You should answer, your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood, just as our father did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the land of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. So this is interesting. Peter's a little bit conflicted, but it's interesting. He says, look, I'm going to go and see Pharaoh. I'm going to mention that you're shepherds, but I'm going to frame it within this overall context is that you are people who tend livestock. And he repeats himself. He says it once and then he says it to them as a way of coaching them. I was trying to rehearse them for what they need to say when they're before Pharaoh. He says, you're ready. I'm going to have already talked to Pharaoh, but you're ready now so that when you go before him and when he asks you your occupation, you're to tell him that you tend livestock and that you've done that since you were young. But he's emphatic that they tell them, that they frame it that way, that they don't just say they're shepherds. He's downplaying the shepherd aspect and presenting them as owners and tenders of livestock in general. Because as the text tells us, the Egyptians would normally have an issue with shepherds. Next in the story is the presentation of the family to Pharaoh. So let's pick it up in chapter 47, verse 1, and let's see what actually happens and what they say when they do get before Pharaoh. So Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. 
and he chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. So clearly we're in the part of the passage where he has prepared them what to say, and that was at the tail end of chapter 46. But now at the beginning of chapter 47, he's going to present them to Pharaoh. He's told Pharaoh that they're from Canaan and they tend livestock and that they brought their herds with them. And he then goes back again, taking five brothers with him to present them to Pharaoh, who, remember, has already promised that he'll give them this best, this part of the land, a great part of the land called Goshen. So verse 3 then tells us what happens. Pharaoh asked the brothers, what is your occupation? That's exactly what Joseph said he would do. And what he, did he do? He asked them what's their occupation. Let's see what they said back to Pharaoh. Picking up at verse 3. Your servants are shepherds. Oh dear. What were they meant to say? They replied to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds just as our fathers were. That of course means that they've just done this for generations for a long time. They also said to him, we have come to live here for a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pastures. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your fathers and brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if, if you know of any among them who has a special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. So when they get before Pharaoh, they just describe themselves as shepherds and that they explain that they've come to Egypt as a necessity because of the famine being so bad in Canaan. Pharaoh's response, however, in spite of previously declaring that shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians, Pharaoh's response is overall completely favourable to them. Mainly, I suppose, because Joseph has saved the whole nation. He's no issue about them being shepherds. In fact, it appears he suggests that uh, they can help in the future manage his own flocks and herds if there's any gifted uh, in that way amongst them. So Pharaoh here is responding magnanimously to the great blessing that Joseph has brought upon him and his nation. And he says, all right, I'll give you some land. I'll give you this best part of the land. Granted, it's way at the other end of the country and it's away from most of the Egyptian people. But you can have it. And if you've got some competent people in your family, I'm happy for you to put them in charge of my own flocks, flocks and herds. The story continues in verse 7. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out of his presence. Now we're getting to now to what I think is the most interesting part of the story. Up to this point, the whole focus has been on their needs to find food and the fact that they're going to need to find somewhere to settle. In this case, of course, Egypt. Joseph has been focused on that. And he obviously feels that he needs to make sure his family gets settled and provided for. That's been his initial focus. We've got to get them food and we've got to make sure they're in a good place where their flocks can be settled. And that's been the focus of his whole attention so far. Then suddenly, we see Jacob himself come on the scene. 
and Jacob appears before Pharaoh. And look what he says and look what happens in verse 10 I just read. It tells us that Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now normally it would be the superior person who blesses the inferior person. But here is Pharaoh being seen to be blessed by Jacob. Now I would like to suggest that this is a critical part of this story because the rest of the chapter is just about that how they settle the land and Goshen and he makes the arrangements for the family to be secure and fed. But it is significant that twice in this passage it tells us that Jacob blesses Pharaoh. So even in the midst of this crisis, even in the midst of this emergency to get food and security for their families, it's clear that Jacob has not lost his spiritual focus. And I think that that is one of the critical verses in this passage. He didn't have to bless Pharaoh. Now we don't exactly know what that meant because the blessing itself isn't recorded, but we can assume that he probably prayed for Pharaoh and at least called for God's blessing in his life. But it is significant that this happened because it's stated twice in this part of the passage. So it's really worth thinking about this for a minute and thinking about what does it mean and why did it happen? Now, if you're reading the book of Genesis as a whole, like we are, and you hold this passage within the context of the entire book, then the giving of this blessing will recall in our mind the fact that way back in chapter 12, God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your offspring, which would initially be Isaac and Jacob, and I want you to be a blessing to the rest of the world. Now, it's obvious that within the book of Genesis and the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament, in fact, God is seen to choose the Jewish nation. But sometimes what gets missed in understanding this sovereign choice of God is the reason that God chose the Jews was in order that they could bless others. In fact, that God could bless the whole world through that nation. And of course, we discover the primary way he will do this is through the lineage of that nation, which will give us the Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah for the whole world, for all nations. So the whole seed plot of the Bible here in the New Testament and to a great extent in the New as well is found in this blessing first given in Genesis chapter 12. God says, I'm going to bless you and your offspring and you are to take that blessing and go and bless others. Now Jacob here, who of course is in the direct line of Abraham and Isaac and receives that blessing, is now seen here blessing others, maintaining his spiritual focus and his calling. And I would like to suggest that this too must always remain the focus of whatever faith we claim to have. We need to keep in within our own faith lives the focus on remembering always to bless other people. God blesses us. You might say he only blesses us so that we can bless others. I would go so far as to say the minute you stop endeavouring to bless others, you will stop growing spiritually. Blessing other people is critical to our own spiritual life. Even in the middle of an emergency, like here, as a matter of fact, Jacob here talks about the fact that his whole life 
has been a great difficulty, but even within that conversation with Pharaoh, he still keeps a focus on his purpose, and that purpose was to bless others, and he's seen to offer that blessing to Pharaoh. So that tells me that we can do both of these things, all of these things at the same time. We can focus on the practical realities of life and the things we need to do and organise and plan in order to bring those practicalities to fruition while at the same time focusing on the spiritual aspect of our life, focusing on the spiritually directed goals. We can do both of these things one at the same time. And I think really that's the true underlying point of this passage. That's what the message, the spiritual message contained within the story narrative is all about. So let's just pick up at verse 11 and continue with this narrative story. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and he gave them property in the best part of the land in the district of Ramesses as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his fathers and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their children. So the focus now goes back on what he's got to provide practically for the physical needs of his family. That's perfectly legitimate, but sandwiched within this and in the midst of, of this concern for providing physically was this man, Jacob, who is still operating spiritually and indeed chooses to offer a blessing to Pharaoh. Now at this point I'm going to go off tangent for a little bit. I'm going to take a little bit of a segue. I don't normally notice that but did you notice that in verse 7 it says in the district of Ramesses. Now this short phrase that's existing here in this book of Genesis is a huge problem for some people and as I explained recently as and when I come up against things that appear to be conflicts or people will try and use as conflicts within the biblical text. I'll try and address them as we go along. So this short phrase here in the district of Ramesses does cause some people some problems. And let me explain why that is. In Exodus chapter 1, which is coming in about three or four chapters time, is describing events that take place 400 years later after these events the children of Israel then are said to be in the city of Ramesses. Now, liberal scholars who tend to like to shred the Bible of its meaning like to land on that verse in Exodus, and they say that because of the name of Ramesses mentioned here, the children of Egypt did not get out of Egypt until 1300 BC, approximately. Some say, based on that one word, the use of that one word, Ramesses, in Exodus chapter 1, that the Israelites did not leave Egypt until 1300 BC. And here's their argument. Ramesses did not live until roughly 1300, so therefore the children of Israel must still be in Egypt at 1300. And this is based on the assumption that the city of Ramesses was named after a living pharaoh, which by the way isn't stated in the text that they're quoting. Now, on the other hand, if you follow the biblical chronology, mainly based on 1 Kings, then the Exodus event is seen to have taken place around 1446 or 1447 BC. And if you follow the biblical chronology, that's the conclusion you pretty much have to reach. So how do you answer the fact that Ramesses didn't live until nearly 50 years later in approximately 1300 BC 
and it appears that this city was named after him. Now, I know this all sounds a bit technical and so forth, but if you watch secular history documentaries and they ever mention the Exodus, they usually say it occurred around 1300 BC, and it's based on the one word, the use of the one word Ramesses, appearing in Exodus chapter 1. Now, one answer to that is that there were other people called Ramesses at that time who had existed hundreds of years before that. And the city of Ramesses mentioned in Exodus chapter 1 was not necessarily named after the Pharaoh of 1300 because it's clear that that region already existed here because it's mentioned in Genesis chapter 47 hundreds of years earlier. And on the other hand, Moses, who was writing these accounts 400 years after the events, could have been describing the area as it was named in his day not how it was named then. So either way, it's irrelevant. So again, this is another case where there is a supposed contradiction in the Bible, or maybe it's more a case of saying there's something that is used to contradict the Bible and that needs to be answered, and I believe it is answered right here in the text. Anyway, we'll just pause there and we'll leave it there, and we'll return tomorrow and we'll pick up the main story in the text next time. See you later. Okay, friends, that's it for today. I'll say bye for now. Thank you so much for joining me on this amazing journey that we've committed together to work through the Bible, not just to read it, but to study the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, from cover to cover. What an amazing thing that is. Why not, if you're here for the first time, join us on that journey? Pop back to the beginning and uh, maybe listen to two episodes a day for a few months and play catch up and then commit to making the Word of God, the study of the Word of God, part of the rhythm of your daily lives. And you know what? It's such an encouragement for me to know that there are thousands of you, tens of thousands that we've seen, who've made the commitment to follow along and listen to this podcast uh, and, and to go on this journey with us. So thank you for that. And maybe if you're benefiting from it, I would humbly suggest that you share the benefit of this with some other people. Maybe by liking it on social media, uh, reviewing it even, or particularly useful is sharing it so that this uh, resource can get out into the corners of the internet that you happen to exist in and allow other people to benefit from, the, from this project as well. Quick reminder that you can connect with the ministry in different ways through the YouTube channel, the Facebook page, and my Patreon page, where there's access to other teachings that I've done in the past and a long format Bible study, as well as a discipleship course, which will be going live on those platforms in September, which is not a direct part of the podcast. So there's opportunities for you there to access freely, without copyright, in the public domain, all the teaching that I make available online. But other than that, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I do hope that you will make the decision to come back again tomorrow on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.